We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Uh, joining me, as always, Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee and very special guest George Shorey here from Pro Football Focus. Uh, we're going to be diving in on, on the 49ers here shortly. Uh, but first, we are brought to you by SGLambChops.com. That's the homies over at Lamb Chops. Comfortable clothing, quality clothing. Use promo code CANDLESTICK20 for 20% off your order today at SGLambChops.com. Also sponsored by Cooperage Brewing. Get your Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA now. Get it by the case at cooperagebrewing.com. Shout out to our homies over at Cooperage. All right, let's talk Niners. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. How's it going, man? It's been entirely too long. Like, way, way too long. We appreciate you making time. I, I feel like we, we keep the conversation going, whether it be through a Twitter like or a comment uh, <laughs> yeah. here or there, right? That keeps the, keeps the fire going. But it's it's great to, to sit down and talk to you guys again. And um, in, a, in a rather ideal um, situation, I feel like things have gone pretty right thus far. So <laughs> I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous, but it's it's been fun where where have you where where are you on on brock purdy through 17 regular season starts is he is he the 20th ranked quarterback in the league or or the mvp or worse <laughs> uh I, yeah i think most people uh have a pretty strong opinion about brock purdy and, and probably most are wrong um look is he would i vote for him for mvp absolutely not um i, I think the niners have the best um, supporting cast in the league. And I don't think it's particularly close. Um, you know, what, what happens if you drop Brock Purdy on the jets? Uh, what happens if you drop him on, um, you know, the, the chiefs are, are a good example, right? He's not going to lift those teams, but I will say this. I, I think that he's, um, he's better than say the 20th best quarterback, right? If you look at PFF grading, I, I think it tells a pretty compelling story. Um, you know, in the beginning part of the season, he was really kind of doing what was asked and not a whole lot else, right? Weren't a lot of big time throws, which are kind of like that top 5% uh, 
um, of throws. Um, but they were winning games and their offense was super efficient. Um, over the course of kind of the last five weeks, you've seen them start to make a few more throws down the field. Um, and that has resulted in some better grades. So, you know, he had a, a 90 grade against the Jaguars, upper 70s grades against uh, the Bucks, Seahawks, and Eagles. And, and that's right in that, you know, 12 to 18, 12 to 15 range. And I think that's fair. Um, you know, I, I think he's been very good thus far. I think he has an amazing supporting cast. I think what you saw when we hit that Browns, Vikings, Bengals uh, stretch or, or Browns, Vikings in particular, he was really bad against the Browns, not great weather, but you saw the offensive line without Trent, I think really struggle because they're, you know, basically pretty bad to be honest without uh, Trent and Debo um, really limits, you know, taking him out really limited that combination that they could do offensively and he struggled a little bit um, and that's, that's going to happen. So, I think that 12 to 14 range is where I'd put him. Do you think, given what we've seen from Brock Purdy, and I, I'm with you, I probably think he's, you know, maybe 10 to 12. I just, I just think he's playing it at a high level. Um, but where he ranks is is less material to the real conversation, which is can the 49ers win a Super Bowl with Purdy playing this version of quarterback? Where are you at on that? Do you think um, when when the stakes get higher and and the, the, the opponents get better generally, where, where do you think? Brock Purdy stands in terms of helping the 49ers win a Super Bowl? So my answer to this would be yes. Uh, I do think you can win a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy. Um, I think there are uh, there's a lot of fragility there. And what I mean by that is, you know, we, we just talked about Trent and Debo. Like, I think if Trent Williams gets hurt or isn't 100%, like all of a sudden all bets are off. Um, I think they could sustain a bit of, of some injury. Like if it was just Debo that was down, the, the thing that I don't think anyone's talking enough about, maybe you're hearing it in the Bay area. Brandon Ayuk is amazing. Like really? Brandon Ayuk has been playing at a top three level. We grade separation. We grade at the catch point. He is number one in separation by a country mile. Obviously the scheme helps, but he is a great route runner. Um, Kittle's been awesome. He's our highest graded tight end. Obviously McCaffrey has been dynamic. Juan Jennings has been good. So I think they can survive that. I don't think they can survive no Trent because of how poorly the rest of the O-line is and how important he is to keeping them kind of playing ahead from ahead, right? And I think that's a mentality thing as much as it is, you know, dominating on first down, as much as it is playing from ahead from a score perspective. And that's the thing that, that worries me. I always think that Shanahan's Biggest challenge is when his game plan doesn't go according to plan. How do they, you know, how do they adjust? And I think that's where there's something to be learned. Um, but the problem is, guys, that I don't see a lot of quality in the rest of the league. And I don't know that if they're healthy, there's a team that's within five points of them from a point spread perspective on a neutral field. Like, I really don't. I am fascinated for the, the Ravens game. I think the Ravens are the one defense schematically that could give them some problems with what McDonald has done there offensively. I don't know if they can keep up, but I'm excited that we get to see that in the regular season, because I think that will give us a good litmus test. But to answer your question, I, yes, I think they can win a Super Bowl. Did you feel that way with Jimmy Garoppolo? Because for me, <laughs> because for, for me, I always felt like, man, you, you kind of see the ceiling with Garoppolo. You saw it in the Super Bowl. You saw mm -hmm. it in the 2021 NFC title game. And I, 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 that was always kind of my vibe. I feel like Purdy 
while okay i think that like top five talk is nuts but i also think within the scope of this system like forget dropping him on the jets or the bears or whatever team in the scope of this system i feel like he's elevating the offense beyond anything garoppolo ever did the offense was really dang good in 2019 but i always felt like man they are they are a turnover waiting to happen they better not fall down by more than seven Mm -hmm. it just never it never felt like Garoppolo is elevating the offense the way the way Purdy does. I, I would agree with you. Um, and I don't think it has to be that big of a difference. Like right. I when they played Kansas City, I thought they could win, but it wasn't I wouldn't say I was brimming with confidence. And I, I think there are a couple of things that are materially different. First off, I like their supporting cast of weapons a lot better now than I did in 2019. Yeah. Like Give me, give me Brandon Ayuk, this Debo Samuel, this George Kittle over, you know, Emmanuel Sanders, right? And I love Emmanuel Sanders, but like, let's be real. Like he was, you know, maybe the 25th best receiver in the league, if that. Like, I think like Brandon Ayuk, again, I, I, I need to emphasize this, is playing at like a top five wide receiver level. Um, and that is, they're not even, they have so many weapons that Brandon Ayuk leads them in target share at 25% right? Like compared to a Tyreek Hill who's, you know, like 35, you know? Um, And that's because they have such great weapons. So I think that's materially different. The other thing that Purdy does um, that I just don't think Jimmy ever did a good job of was Jimmy just made, Jimmy caught, when he made a mistake, it was so costly. And, you know, he would just, no one was better at throwing a catchable ball to a linebacker. And while uh, Purdy has gotten some decent turnover luck, um, he, he just, you know, avoids those c- catastrophic plays uh, much better. And he's also a little bit more mobile, which I think is very helpful. Um, and uh, kind of the last thing I'll say about it is Jimmy was one of those guys where if he was 100% healthy, I usually felt pretty good about him. But any sort of injury, any nick, like, you know, it felt like the wheels are falling off. So I think there's just enough of a difference. Like I would say Garoppolo was firmly at that like 15 to 19 range. I think Brock is in a, a tier above and like, that's good enough with this supporting cast. Certainly. You said something a little bit earlier about the Niners probably being five points better um, than just yeah, about just any about team they could face on a, on a neutral field. Um, is the NFL just overall a little bit down this year? Or is like, is the AFC in particular a little bit down? Like I know the 49ers are have, this is probably the best team Kyle Shanahan's had. Right. But I, I also think, the NFL overall, and maybe this plays into the MVP conversation with the fact that there doesn't seem like there's a clear-cut guy and Patrick Mahomes is maybe having a little bit different of a season with that supporting cast and Josh Allen is struggling, those types of things. But it, overall, in your view, is the rest of the league a little bit down while the 49ers seem to be ascending a little bit? I, I would agree with that pretty strongly. I think a good example of this is Kansas City. So Kansas City last year was number one in EPA per play, number one in EPA per pass, and it was it was pretty clear cut. Um, and there with you know with that team, it's like it's the way you expect it to happen, right? They have a great quarterback, quarterback's playing really well. San Francisco actually has a better EPA per play this year than Kansas City had last year, um, and then everyone else is basically at the same level or below. And I think you're seeing a lot of the teams that are doing that well. Like I'll give you the list here. You've got San Francisco, number one. You've got Dallas, number two, Buffalo, three, Miami, four, Detroit, five. Okay. Dallas hasn't beaten a good team, 
Buffalo hasn't beaten a good team. I guess they they beat Miami, but you know maybe Miami is is less than we think. Um, Detroit has Jared Goff. So like there, you look at those teams and like none of those teams are great. Like Kansas City's down there in seventh, and Kansas City is so interesting to me because I think they have the worst supporting cast in the league. Like Travis Kelsey is looks like you know he got shot with a tranquilizer gun in the calf when he's running. Like you know it's uh, you know we've got a lot of other things on the mind. They have no other weapons. <laughs> um, it, it's it's really bad, right? And so you look at the big competitors on the AFC side, and you have tons of questions on the NFC side. They've dominated. So yeah, I think the competition is down, but some of the data would suggest that maybe we're over-exaggerating that a bit because of the quarterback injuries. Like you look overall at the season thus far, big time throws, which I alluded to, which are PFF's highest graded throws. You can get those on, on pff.com with a, a PFF subscription. Actually, that rate is higher than it was last year and turnover-worthy plays are down a little bit. So I do think it's both sides of the ball. Like defenses are, are playing worse and, and offenses are playing worse and that's resulting in in a few more points and just the way that we're used to seeing it happen is not that the same way, right? Buffalo hasn't been as great from a win loss perspective. Jalen Hurts has been hurt and Kansas city has been a nightmare. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Chris and Kyle here with Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Super easy, super exciting way to play DFS, and it's just against the numbers, not against pros, sharks, or a million other players. It is you against stats. You pick more or less on two to six player stat projections, and then you watch the winnings roll in. Super easy. And now with basketball season here, you can pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league. It's right there at the top on the app. Super easy to find. That's a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. So for example, you get LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10 and a half point combo of, or I'm sorry, a 10 and a half combo of three pointers made and receptions. So Travis Kelsey gets seven receptions. LeBron hits four three pointers. Uh, that entry is a is a big winner for you. So that's one of my favorite parts is is crossing basketball and, and football entries. I've been having a blast doing that. Uh, one of the things I love about uh, one of the things I love about Prize Picks though is that they offer Apple Pay for quick and easy deposit. So if your boy goes on a little cold streak, uh, I'll be back in the saddle very quickly and very easily. Let me tell you. So if you want to join us, go to Pride. And I, dude, I, I'm telling you, I highly encourage it. 
go to prizepicks.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. Dude, that's a great deal. Go to prizepicks.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Quick, quick question because I I have a PFF subscription and I I it's one of those things where I'll just like go on there and bounce around and look at stats and I I blog so I blog about that. Um, can you define big time throw for me because yeah. I always look at it and I'm like, hey, he has X percent of big time is is big time throw percentage is X, but I don't know what that means. Great question. Um, so Thanks. we grade. We grade everything on a negative two to positive two scale uh, by 0.5s uh, increments. So, you know, a negative two, negative 1.5, negative one, those are really bad plays. Those are turnover worthy plays. Um, and that you can think of as, you know, I throw the ball uh, right at a linebacker. I have a really bad fumble. Um, you know, I put the ball up for, for grabs uh, in a really bad place, throw a wildly inaccurate play that should get, you know, picked off by the safety or something like that. And the way that I explain it mathematically is those plays end up being a turnover about 50% of the time. But the reason they're valuable is because you want to know those other 50% where the, the cornerback drops it or the fumble gets recovered, right? Because those are, are noisy. You want to know the process, right? So you want to know, is this guy putting it up for grabs? The other side of the coin are plays that are graded, you know, a 1, 1. 1.5, 2.0, the top 5% of plays. And those are, you think about that accurate throw 10 plus yards down the football field um, where it's not something that, you know, ever you expect a middle of the pack quarterback to make with regularity. Right. Um, and so there's a broad range. I just use that as like a heuristic, um, but it, it does a really good job of capturing does a quarterback make kind of more out of the offense than is, is there. Um, what's interesting about those, and we studied them, is that you do need opportunities to make those throws. So it tends for quarterbacks to bounce around a little bit more from year to year, uh, whereas things that are a little bit more stable are their ability to limit turnover-worthy plays. Right? That's something they're really in control of, like not throwing a super inaccurate pass. To make a big-time throw, like a player has to be open down the football field for them you know, try and fit it in, right? And so that is somewhat scheme dependent. So I always think about it as a little bit of quarterback plus scheme. Um, and, you know, it, the way that I would think about it, if you're watching a game is like, oh, great throw down the football field, or it's a third down, makes a really good throw, you know, into a tight window, makes gets through three reads, you know, makes a great play. Um, and it's it's going to be an accurate throw that, uh, that kind of moves the sticks probably. I wanted to ask you an, another Brock question, Brock Purdy question regarding his age and just sort of what what this could look like long term, right? Because I think, you know, Brock Purdy, the question was, you know, can he be the 49ers starter? And then it became pretty clear this year that, yeah, he can do that at, at a pretty high level. Um, and now the conversation is, is he a lead or not? Uh, I think one thing that gets lost is he's in his second season, right? And so regardless of um, of what we think about right now, the conversation is just going to keep changing and evolving in terms of the way Brock Purdy's playing right now. Um, and like, ultimately, what do you think he can be? Like, what do you think his ceiling could be based on the relatively limited sample we have, given that he hasn't even gotten through a second season yet? That's a really good question, because 
it's so hard when you pay someone that money doesn't come from an endless fountain of cash. So to pay Brock Purdy, you've got to not pay someone else, right? And I think the data that we have thus far would say the jury is still out on if you were to not pay Trent Williams, but, you know, pay Brock Purdy, what does that look like? Um, and I think that, you know, it didn't, it hasn't looked good so far. Um, what are you going to do? You've got Debo. Um, you, you're going to need to pay Ayuk. Um, what are you going to do with Kittle? Like, there are a lot of questions there. CMC, you know, what do you, like, I think at the end of the day, it's it's tough to make a case for Brock being able to raise the the level of the boats uh, with his play um, at this moment. So I think it's very fortuitous that they are, are great that they have uh, that he's only in the second year because I think you just need to find out a little bit more um, about him. It, the level that he's played with these guys, no doubt about it, you'd pay him more. But you just you you can't do that and keep those same guys around him. So I think you need to try and, and isolate some of the variables a little bit more. Who do you not have to pay? Uh, who would you not pay to pay him? And then what do you think that can look like? Um, and they've been good at drafting broadly, right? That's how they've gotten these players. So I think it it over the next couple of years, what we'll look at is, okay, who did they draft? Did they get the next, did they find the next Brandon Ayuk? Did they find the next George Kittle? Um, where is their offensive line help going to come from? Because you know, like it really gets covered up by how great the scheme is. He gets rid of the ball quickly and Trent is a rock star. But like, honestly, it, that, that would be my big concern. Um, and so I think it's incumbent on them to draft. Well, they've, they've gotten rid of some draft capital as we know for Trey Lance. And so that's going to hurt their ability, you know, to restock the cupboard a little bit. Um, right now though, I would say if I had to make a decision, you know, would I pay Brock Purdy? Um, I would lean on trying to pay him, but I would not pay him anywhere near, um, you know, that that top level. I'd be thinking more of like, could I get a Daniel Jones type type deal done? Yeah, for for me, I think when when you do spin it forward and you're talking about financials specifically, I I think you're more likely to make some of those sacrifices on defense. The other side, like Eric Armstead, um, you know, is Javon Hargrave going to be around by the time you do have to pay? Brock Purdy, right? So, like, and if that's the case, what do you forecast maybe the defense looking like in a couple of years? Given that it seems like they'll pay Fred Warner and Nick Bosa as long as, as as long as those guys keep playing at a high level, but the rest of, in my opinion, the rest of the defense might be a little bit expendable in terms of shedding some of those salaries. So, if you're to project the defense going forward when you do have to pay Brock Purdy, what do you think that looks like? Yeah, but I, I agree with you. I think that the answer to that is where do you invest your draft capital and how much you know how much do you hit on? Because yeah, I agree, but then you're you have to find those replacement players somewhere. Like I think Javon Hargrave is a great one to bring up. The defensive tackle market has exploded, right? To get a good defensive tackle on the open market, you've got to pay 20 plus million dollars. So so now you're thinking about okay, if I and what that means that trickles down into draft capital needed to replace those players, right? So you're going to see teams are going, oh man, I would have to pay this free agent $25 million. I'm going to go draft a great interior line. And so while I agree with you, I think it is a decision that has to be made in some ways with where you invest from a draft perspective, because at the same time, you can't expect the offensive talent to just remain great forever, right? That's another thing that, mm -hmm. so. Uh, like, 
I, I do think there's a potential to build a really long-term great, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say the, the, the D word here, you know, that's going to be incumbent on like, does Brock Purdy turn into a top 10 guy consistently? Right. And, and then you can, you can get there. Um, but, uh, but, but I think it's going to be hard. Um, it, it's going to be hard to just stop paying anyone on defense unless you invest from a draft perspective. And there's only so many draft picks that you have. So like the, John Lynch has got his work cut out for him. There's no, <laughs> there's, yeah. there's no doubt about it. like, I don't know that there's a GM that has a harder job, but also a more awesome job, right? Yeah. Because he's got this like wealth of talent. He's got Kyle Shanahan, but at the same time, it's like, you, you've got a ton of pressure on you to make, you don't have a ton of resources. You know, you got to make them count. That's why they have to win the Super Bowl while Brock's still on a rookie contracts. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I if you if you think they have a better chance so here here's the the it's a great point if you say to yourself okay can you win a super bowl right now and the answer is no then it ain't going to be yes when you sign them to a deal right that's like that's a simple fact and i think that's a huge problem that most teams run into like the giants are hilarious to me we have no shot at winning a super bowl with daniel jones on a rookie contract let's pay him 40 million dollars then we'll have a shot at winning a super right bowl. <laughs> like you're on you know you're on something at that point so that's where you've got to answer yourself you have to have a margin of error like i think about this with investing like warren buffett would talk about like having a margin of error right like you're probably going to be wrong somewhere so make sure you build in a good margin of error if you have if you have negative margin of error if you already don't have a chance to to win the ultimate prize you're totally screwed um and so you've got to feel like yeah man like I, not only could we win the super bowl with him but we actually have some room to spare that's where the Chiefs are at, right? Mm -hmm. The Chiefs were like, we are so dominant with Patrick Holmes on a rookie deal that we can afford to pay him a ton of money because we are still going to be able to win Super Bowls. Um, I think the Bengals can feel that way. I think that the Bills can feel that way. Um, and that's why they pay those guys. It sounds like, speaking of the future and paying guys, it sounds like if it came down to choosing Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk, it sounds like you're all in on Brandon Ayuk. I think Brandon Ayuk is the better um, the better receiver. Now, it's I have always thought of Debo as he's so much better on the Niners than he would be anywhere else. Like maybe Miami, you know, because of McDaniel, but that scheme is just so perfect. It puts him in such a great position. Um, I also think that his skill set will be less sturdy. And and. Look, I don't want to like slight Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is awesome. He's one of my favorite hey, players. Hey, Debo. Awesome okay. to watch, right? But just in thinking, yeah, I'm a Debo hater. Um, <laughs> but, like the skill of being able to separate and run routes, um, I think is is just we've seen to be a bit more stable. Um, but what I do want to see out of Ayuk is can he do it with 10 to 12 to 14 targets a game? They haven't needed to do that. I think they could give him that. I think that the offense right now just doesn't, you know, there's no need to, to, to force feed him there, but based on the grading that I, that we do, and by the way, we grade every route. So not the ones that he's just the ones he's targeted on. And that's where mm -hmm. our separation grades are, are based and he's dominating there. So my belief is you could start to give him those targets. Like the guy who's in second is Tyreek Hill, right? And like mm -hmm. you're force feeding Tyreek the ball and that's, that's really doing well for you. So I would say, yes, I, I think that it's only a matter of, you know, maybe a year or so that we're talking about him in that, in that firmly in that top 10, you know, I, I think he should be talked about with those other great young wide receivers. So we'll, we'll get you out of here on this. Um, 
obviously you feel like the 49ers can win the Super Bowl based on what you said earlier, but right now when you look at the standings, they're, they're still a game back. Um, do you think the Niners, I, I mean, based on what we've seen from Philadelphia and Dallas, do you think the Niners, or how realistic do you think the Niners' chances of getting the number one seed are? Because I think it would be pretty important for them to get that by if they do, you know, if they do plan on winning the Super Bowl this year. I'll tell you what, I don't want to go back to Philadelphia. Um, <laughs> the way that we treated this game, you know, wearing all black, like if you play Philly again in Philly, I mean, they are going to come with everything, right? And there's, some, I mean, that Philly is a good team. And I, my belief right now is that Jalen Hurts is hurt. Like, I think Jalen Hurts is pretty banged up. Um, he is grading significantly lower this year than he did last year. The, the run game is just not an element. It's, it's, he's, and he's not a great, like, drop back passer. Like, I think Derek Carr's get or uh, Dave Carr's getting flamed all over, um, you know, Twitter for his comments. I think there's a lot of truth to them. Um, but they're such a good team all around him that they're still able to perform well. So I do think it would be very beneficial to get the number one seed. How realistic is that? I think Dallas should be favored um, against Philly this week. I think they've got a legit shot to win. And if they win that and, and the Niners beat the Ravens, then, then they're going to get the one seed. Um, but uh, ultimately, I think I would rather have the Niners be healthy than have the one seed. So I think if they're healthy, it, it really shouldn't matter. And, you know, it'll be a closer game when they play Philly the next time. No doubt about it, as long as Philly's not playing Marcus Mariota. Um, <laughs> but they, they should be able to, to you know, to overcome. Um, and uh, I, I think I think Philly is is super interesting. And I guess on the on the AFC side, you know, I, we haven't seen them, I guess, against the Lions. But on the AFC side, I'm really interested in what that matchup could be. Um, you know, not to look ahead too much, uh, you know, into that. I think we'll get a glimpse on, on Christmas Day, um, you know, with the, with the game against the Ravens. PFF Forecast is the podcast that, uh, that George Shahori is the host of. Uh, make sure to check out pff.com to dive into these grades. Snag subscription, I'm telling you, super worth it. Uh, George, thank you so much for, for hopping on it. Anytime, fellas. This is a, a joy. I love talking about the Pioneers and, and you guys do it better than anybody else. So thanks for having me. Much appreciated, man. We'll talk soon. See you guys. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.